Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Every single year we do have a time of fasting and prayer. So um, I invite you into that. Doesn't mean you have to get solemn. Fasting could be good. Come on, man, you guys. Jesus is Lord. All right. Well, what I have for you today is going to take much longer than 20 minutes. Jordan, you get my text? Are we ready? No. No, no, no. Whenever, whenever, and then, Chris, are you ready? You're always ready, man. All right. Sorry, I'm having fun with you guys today. Well, last night, no, two nights ago, was it last night? It was Friday night, Friday night. We were, uh, we had our grandkids, all four of them. And uh, Andrew and Hannah had a little function at their house, and they had a like, social event, and they were having a lot of fun. We had the grandkids. Well, we always have a lot of fun with the grandkids. Say amen. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with the grandkids. So every single, every single year, we kind of make a tradition to go to a place in Fremont called Christmas Place. Has anyone ever been to Christmas Place? It's not crypt like a crypt. It's crypt. C-H-R-I-P-P or something like C-R-I-P, not crypt like a crypt, you know, it's Christmas place. And they've been doing this since, I mean, 20, 30 years where they just take all these houses in this court and they just decorate them to the max. So if you live in Fremont, you know, you can go there. If you don't live in Fremont, you can still go there. (laughs) Totally fine. And so it's a great, great place to bring the kids and uh, you get out of the car and just walk around and you look at all these Designs And so now, Christmas Place is no longer like the central thing. There's a court right next to it that's kind of taken over because this dude who started it left. This guy took over, and there's Santa Claus, and you get candy canes. And if you're your grandkids, candy canes go a long way because they're just like, you know, they're just going crazy, right? So me and Wendy tried to say, we're going to have ice cream later. No. So... um Anyway, and you know, I was walking around, and you know, when you when you parent and when you grandparent, you wanna you wanna push your kids into it, let them see, like bring them into an understanding, not push, bring them into an understanding of like what's this season all about. And I'm telling you, going down Christmas Place, every animated cartoon character is celebrating Christmas on every lawn. So you see Power Rangers, you see you know, Disney princesses, you see the Ninja Turtles, you see Spider-Man, Captain America, you're just walking around, you're seeing like uh, Wally, remember Wally the movie? Wally. Well, the movie. That's a great movie, by the way. Um, just seeing everything, and I think out of all of it, we found one manger. I, I think. It was a big manger, but it was a good manger. But it was one manger. And that's how life could be. 
Life could be like there's so much going on around us that we miss the meaning, the purpose, the focus. And, you know, we have Frosty the Snowman and all these kinds of things. And I was just thinking about, I was thinking about, I, I wonder if moms and dads and grandparents actually take their kids through the Bible and revisit the real reason for Christmas. You know, we have traditions in our home. We, we do watch Elf, the movie. That's a tradition. That's the only Will Ferrell movie I've ever watched. And I don't ever want to watch another one because I've heard. Don't watch, don't watch the brother. Sorry, Will, if you're listening. I know you are probably in L.A. <laughs> the old animated ones, too. Those are the ones that live on forever. You know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with Burl Lives. You know, Dancer and Prancer. Um, and then Frosty the Snowman. I want that hat, and I want it now. Um, you guys remember that? Okay, sorry, I'm being strange today. Today, when he's like, Today? And we've always tried as parents, especially if you're a young married, we always tried um, to really spend time with some tradition around like, what, what's this thing all about? And um, every single year, it's usually the same thing. Everyone's shopping and losing their salvation. And, you know, you, now it's Amazon, right? And uh, now we complain the package didn't get there in one day, like, you know. If he only knew, right? Um, and so um, what, I, what I had intended to do today was just take you through the Christmas story out of the Passion Translation and to do it chronologically because we know that it's, uh, we know that, you know, it's in Luke, it's in, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's, it's in different places and you just try and fit it all together and then just kind of lay it out. Do you mind if I just begin reading it? So I, I wished that I, so it's going to be a little different today. I wished that I would have put those on the PowerPoint, you know, whatever that thing's called, the software that's called these days. Um, but I didn't. But if you have the Passion Translation, you can follow with me. How many people actually have the Passion Translation? It's a good translation. And uh, I felt like the Lord just said, I, you know, I give one word for every just for the major players in, in, the, in the, regarding um, kind of like what, what one word kind of brings a, a synopsis of who they are. Now, I have, I have three or four major players in the Christmas story um, surrounding Jesus, but you might have a different word for these characters, for these people, real life people. And when I try and read the Christmas story, when I try and read the, the passages in the Bible, um, I like to dive in and put myself in those places. Like, I don't want to just read it as a story. I want to read it as an event, something that took place with real people. All right? So, so Mary was a, was a real teenager. She was about 15 years old. She wasn't 30 and had four degrees. She was 15. You know, Joseph, we don't know how old Joseph was. Maybe 18. 
somewhere's around there. Like these are young adults and teenagers who are wrestling with the voice of God. Joseph is not 45 years old and Mary's 40. They're young people who are changing the world. Same with the disciples. The disciples were all in their 20s. The disciples, the apostles, were people who changed the world as 20-year-olds. Isn't that something? So the Lord is, is starting with a generation that's under 30. This one's under 20. And we have angels showing up. We have dreams, God dreams, supernatural encounters in the middle of the night. And it's impacting these 18-year-olds and they actually know what to do with them. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible to me. So let's start with Luke chapter one. I'm gonna talk about Mary, 26. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to paraphrase. But the word I have for Mary is the word believe. The word believe. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, who was Elizabeth pregnant with? John the Baptist, right? So Jesus and John were the same age. I mean, if six months apart, right? But basically, when he turned, but they were basically the same age, right? So the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged. Now, this is the Passion's translation, so it's betrothed, but she was engaged to a man, and a betrothal, an engagement, wasn't like, hey, will you marry me? Woo, you know, it was actually a contract. It was a contract that was actually signed. It was a legal document. So she was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, now this is not... Like, oh, Gabriel. Just think of the the archangel Gabriel. So she has an open vision. It's not in a dream. So Gabriel appears to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you. And so you are anointed with great favor. Everyone say, great favor. I receive great favor. Just receive it for yourself. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. You know, when the Lord declared, I'm just going to, I won't even get out of this passage if I comment and everything. I just want to say, believe the words that the Lord speaks over you. And there's great favor over you. And it says here that she was deeply troubled over the words, but she actually went on to believe it. So just say, I believe it. Verse 30, but the angel reassured her saying, do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. See, I received that from my life too. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. Don't say I received that either. Like I, some, I heard you, some of you, especially my wife. Did, anyway, you will become, 
with a baby boy, and you will name him Jesus, for uh, he will be he will be supreme, and will be known as the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will uh, enthrone him as King on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as King of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Man, we could say amen to that. Can you imagine getting that news? I mean, this thing for a moment. You're about 15 years old, and an angel appears to you and says, uh, you're going to be pregnant. And you're engaged to somebody else. Well, that leads to verse 34. Mary said, but how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, so here's heaven answering, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and the almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy and he will be called the the son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with, uh, with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power for nothing is impossible with God. Can you imagine if you're Mary and you're receiving this explanation about how she's going to have, be pregnant and be a virgin? The spirit of holiness will fall on you and the almighty God will spread his, his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. There you go. I think that's kind of funny. I mean, obviously it's coming from an angel, but the faith to receive that word That has never happened. Okay. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I love the Passion Translation. This is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. She didn't need a thesis paper. She didn't need a long theological explanation. She didn't, she didn't ask for proof texts in the Old Testament. She believed. Remember when we look at the book of Galatians, Paul's arguing for the grace of God, and he said, Abraham believed, and it was reckoned to him righteousness. There's power in our belief. Even when you don't understand. In fact, there's going to be a lot of times when you don't understand but you're gonna have to believe the word of the Lord. Some of you have prophecies that are sitting in your journals that are wrapped up in your iPhones and you're thinking, you're reading those thinking, how in the world will that ever happen? In the natural, in the natural, it's impossible. That's why he says, with God, all things are possible. What's the quantifier? Believe. Just believe. We try and complicate it. We want belief with cross-references. We want 18 verses on how to believe. Just believe. So here's my simple prayer. Father, I believe. That's all I say now. I mean, I'm I'm open to more, 
But I just say, I, I, receive, I believe it. I receive and I believe. And I feel like that's a word for some of you. Just believe. But just believe. But it's just believe. It's never happened. Just believe. Did the Lord say it? Then believe it. Just say everyone, say, I believe. Just say, I believe. Well, she visits Mary. She goes ahead and she casts a prophetic song. And then the angel now comes to Joseph. Now I'm in Matthew chapter one. And the word I have for Joseph is the word obey. For Mary, it was believing. For Joseph, it was obeying. I mean, he had to believe to obey. You understand? But it's about obedience with Joseph. This is how, uh, verse 18, this is how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother, Mary, had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Well, who's the Holy Spirit? Because, right, because he didn't come until Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of the Lord was on people in the book, in the Old Testament. Might have mentioned the Holy Spirit, but who's the Holy Spirit? Hey, Joseph, he's 18, 19. Hey, I'm pregnant, and it's the Holy Spirit who impregnated me. What if you're Joseph for a moment? You're betrothed to Mary. Mary tells you she's pregnant. That's against the law. She could actually be severely beaten for that. He doesn't even ask her, how did that happen? Doesn't say like, hey, maybe, maybe a guy was forceful. Maybe there was something, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't even, we don't see that in scripture, but I want, to, I want you to understand it wasn't kind of like, oh, sure. I mean, we read it that way because it's in the Bible, but there was some emotion going on right there. You can only imagine. Verse 19, her fiance, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break off the engagement. He didn't want to expose her we can learn a lesson about that. He didn't want to expose their sin. We don't read in scripture where he actually confided in her until, and how did this all happen? What he wanted to do because of his integrity, he wanted to actually make things right, secretly break off the engagement, but, not, but leave her with some dignity. That's a, that's a, that's a man right there. He didn't call the Washington Post. He didn't call the New York Times. He didn't call the local newspapers. He didn't, he didn't do it on social media. He, didn't, he just quietly wanted to just like, okay, I get it. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, so there was a real struggle, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. Pay attention to your dreams. Joseph must have had four dreams, all sent from heaven. That's how God communicated with Joseph. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to him in clear, uh, in clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, kind of reminds him of who he is, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. Okay. Wow. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. In the Passion Translation, it says Savior. For he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. This happens so that what the Lord spoke through the prophet would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us. I've never, I've always thought it was God with us. But in the Aramaic, it's God became one of us. When Joseph awoke from his dream, here it is, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but he refrained from having sex until she gave birth to her son, whom they named Jesus. You got a 15, okay, maybe 16, maybe... You have a, the older you get, the more like they're little, you think, you think 25 year olds are children as you get older. How many, you're saying amen? They're only 25, you know? It's kind of like, I'm standing here in my 50s thinking, she's only 15. He's He's 18, maybe 16, 17, whatever it is. But they're receiving supernatural encounters, and you have to understand, too, they've been waiting for this Messiah ever since Genesis 3. Someone's going to come and crush your head. They were waiting for this Messiah ever since Genesis 3. The reason why there was so much slaughter in the Old Testament is the enemy tried to wipe out the chosen one. And can you imagine you're 15, you're a servant girl, and you receive a revelation that you are the hand-picked person that's going to give birth to the Messiah whom they've been waiting for for over 2,000 years, 1,500 years at least. You're, the, you're it. So Joseph goes ahead and does what the angel of the Lord says. He's obedient. And then we see the birth, which most of you know about, but uh, you see the birth of Jesus taking place. And so there's a, you know, there's a, what is the, a census that's taken place. They have to take a five-day journey. She takes a five-day journey, about 65 miles, and she's about nine months pregnant. They didn't have, they didn't have like what, not a Lexus, but they didn't have nice cars, you know what I'm saying? Like, she rode on a donkey pretty much. No air conditioning. She was nine months pregnant, five-day journey. And then it says in verse six and seven that they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor. And there she gave birth to her firstborn son after wrapping the newborn baby in strips of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in any upper room in the village. Small village, feeding trough. These were for animals, for barn animals. And he was born in a place of humility, the king of kings and the lord of lords. Born in a 
and laid in a wooden trough where animals ate their food. Crazy, isn't it? And then the shepherds are awakened, and this is where I feel like we should do that song because it's, yeah, we, can, we can do it. Because there is joy to the world. Anyway, that night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor. We have angels showing up everywhere. The angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with, blazing, uh, with the blazing glory of God. Can you imagine? And the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I, am, I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. It is for everyone everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a feeding trough. The rescuer is lying in a trough. Lord Yahweh is lying in a trough, and that's how he begins his journey as our rescuer. You guys, the gospel is still good news. The gospel will forever be good news. I mean, you have every reason to walk around, not arrogantly with your shoulders back, but with your shoulders back, recognized, recognized that you are recognizing that you're actually saved and blood-bought by the love of Jesus because he chose to came into the world. And now we have a bunch of angels who are, who are ready to break out and heaven's ready to explode on the earth because they've been waiting for this day. Verse 13, then all at once a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praise God singing. So armies actually sing. Saying glory to God on the highest of heaven and there is peace and goodwill, good hope given to the sons of men. When the choir of angels disappeared back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. I love that. Let's hurry to find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So, the, so they ran into the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in a feeding trough. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what they had just, that just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherd's story was astonished by what was told them, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock ecstatic over what happened. They praised God and glorified him for all they had heard and seen for themselves, just like the angels have said. So the shepherds are there minding their own business. They're at work. The angels show up. We're talking about a legion, an army of angels showing up. And they weren't just whispering glory to God in the highest 
realms of heaven. They were declaring it thunderously out of heaven. And you're one of the shepherds. And you're just staring at this revelation. And they're receiving everything from heaven. And that's the third word I have for the shepherds. They were receivers. So you have to start with believing. You have to move into a place of obedience. And then you have to be in this place of receiving. You can say receiving. You can say revelation. I kind of went back and forth. But they received a revelation out of this place of believing. And they were obedient to the revelation. And they went and saw Jesus personally. Because that's what... That's what revelation will do. It'll bring you to Christ. Which I don't have time for, but then the whole Magi step into the scene, and the word I have for them is worship. Because what they did is they brought the gifts to Jesus. They They were actually, there's a connection with these three guys. I know there's all kinds of, the little drummer boy wasn't there, by the way. So there's these three guys that are there, and you can trace them all the way back to when you can trace them back to all the way, all the way back to when Daniel was in Babylon. There's actually a connection with these three magi and Daniel, and Daniel's influence on that whole like block of people. These priests, these astrologers, actually moved through the 500 years, 400 years, or 700 years, whatever it was, to the place of Jesus' birth, and the and the magi represent worship. And here's how cool God is. Want to hear how cool God is? God knew, the Father knew, that they're going to have to leave, uh, they're going to have to leave Bethlehem and they're going to have to go to Egypt because you had a crazy king called Herod and Herod killed his wife, Herod killed his own sons out of this sense of jealousy because they, he thought that they were going to take him, take his throne away from him and I'm telling you, royalty is bloody. So he's killing all these people, and he's the same guy that goes ahead and talks to the Magi and says, hey, I heard about this other king that's being born in Bethlehem. I want you to come back and report to me. The Magi actually have a dream, and they go back the other way. And at that point, Herod is livid, and he goes ahead and he says, kill every baby that's two, every male child two years old and younger in Bethlehem because that's how crazy this king was. But God is so good that he speaks to Joseph and says, hey, I want you to go to Egypt because you have a crazy king and he's going to come and try and slaughter Jesus. But the father's always like 800 steps ahead of the devil anyway. And so he goes ahead and what they do is that these kings come and they present gifts, but all those gifts are worth tons of money. So the Lord not only... Not only do the Magi come, but the the Magi actually supply provision for the journey to Egypt. That's how good God is. That's how cool he is. I'm saying cool, but you know. Because he's a God of provision. Oh, man. So he goes ahead. Joseph gets it. And this money could have took care of them for years. So God finances their trip to Egypt. In that provision, God finances, because they were super wealthy, God finances, and that's another mess, anyway. God finances, sometimes, anyway. God finances not only their trip to Egypt, but their trip all the way back to Nazareth. And that's where Jesus spends the rest of his early days, is in Nazareth. So we have believe, you have obey, 
You have receive and you have worship. But you're going to have an enemy who's going to try and rob you of all of it. About two years later, after going into Egypt, Herod is killed or he dies. And his son takes the throne. Another one, I don't know, he must have had a lot, but this one was alive, takes the throne and he's more crazy and insecure than his dad. So Joseph is like, Joseph is like I can't go back to Bethlehem, I can't. Falls asleep, has another dream. The Lord says, don't go to Bethlehem, go to Nazareth. And God is moving all these pieces around, fulfilling prophecy in each one. That's why it was so confusing, because where was he supposed to be born? Where was he supposed to be raised? He was here, he was there. And God's just moving the pieces around, and Jesus is probably leaving Egypt when he's about four or five. And they're taking this, they're taking this 40-mile, maybe even longer, probably one-week journey to Nazareth, and Joseph is a carpenter. He had a carpentry business. Jesus was a carpenter. I feel like they had a business in their home, and there is where he, he functioned and he thrived, being brought up to the, to the point where he was 30. We actually begin to see his ministry take place. So you're always going to have an enemy trying to rob you, but God is always moving the pieces around if we'll just follow him. That's what I love about Mary and Joseph. Listen, we're going to do joy to the world. But listen, even if, you, even if you stretch it out just a little bit, I mean, Mary's about 18, 19 years old. When she leaves, she's about 18 years old when she leaves Egypt to goes, goes to Nazareth. Joseph, maybe 21. Raising the Christ child. Following the voice of the angelic through dreams. You guys, it's all supernatural. It's all, it's all amazing. It's, it's all Jesus. It's, this story is, though I, I, we hold on to traditions, we have Christmas trees and trees, plural. And they're all artificial because we have allergies in our house that, anyway... All artificial. And I told you last week, we have ornaments like everything's an ornament. Just put a string on it. You can't even see the tree. A lot of lights. Yeah, we hold on to frosty the snow. You know, we do some of those things. Yeah, we do have Santa in our house, maybe. Or at least we used to have, you know, we do. But this is what it's all about. This is our anchor right here. This is what we got to talk about. If they're playing Christmas music at work, maybe slip in, hark the herald. Oh, come all ye faithful. Things that are rich with theology. Teach your kids about, share with them the story. Do your own research. Ask them questions. Take your grandkids, put them close to you and say, okay, let's talk about, you know, Jesus' mommy and daddy for a moment. I mean, start with them when they're two, three years old, but when they get to be seven, eight, like develop the story, go deeper with it so you can raise up a a legacy underneath you that doesn't have all the fanfare of commercialism around it that's actually locked in to what we're celebrating in two days. Read the Christmas story on Christmas Day. 
Look at Luke chapter 2, 1 through 10, or 1 through, whatever, read, or Matthew 2. I don't know which one. Read it. Take a moment. We try to do that every year. Kids are, they're just playing with all kinds of stuff. You're trying to read it. You know what I'm saying? When they're young, can't keep them still. But it doesn't matter. It's getting out. The word of God does not return void. It's being captured in their spirit. Lock into a new tradition. Keep Jesus central. Fight for it for your family. Grandparents, fight for it. You might not have sons and daughters who are walking with Jesus. Fight for it anyway. Pull those grandkids aside and just walk with them. Share a little bit with them. Understand what the story is saying. Bring in the characters. Make it fun. Do the, I don't know, they have the 12-day Christian, 12-day of Christmas or whatever. I can't remember. I'm supposed to read a book to my grandkids every single, Advent. Advent. Are there any pictures in the book? How do you minister to a three-year-old when there's no pictures? All they see is print. So I just kind of pretend like I'm reading it and I share with them the story. I'm just like, yeah, you know, uh, and you know, and Joseph came over, and you know, like, get creative. Okay, um, let's all stand together. I want to finish with the song because I think it's such a cool song, and it's all about good news, isn't it? I mean, it's about good news, and we. I don't know how to express it when I'm really trying to. The feelings I'm trying to convey to you guys, like this is good news. This is, this is the anchor for all your hope, all your joy. This is the anchor for you. This is the anchor for you. This is the anchor for your wife, your husband. This is the anchor for your grandchildren. This is, the, this is it right here. And it's news that needs to be broadcast. It needs to be released. It needs to be declared. It's for everyone everywhere. Silicon Valley, the Philippines, China, Taiwan, Japan, Korea, Malaysia, Africa. I'm not going to go, you know, you guys are, I hope he doesn't go to every single nation of the earth, whatever. I'm not going to. And this is how we're going to close. And then we're going to have our ministry teams ready, right? Right? So take it away, whoever's going to do it. Kaylee. Amen. I'm just going to step down here, but I want them to lead and then I'll close. I'll come back up. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.